We're going to turn to Exodus 15, and uh, we've been journeying through the book of Exodus, the second book in the Bible, uh, saying these two things. God is working a good plan built on his promise, and that plan rarely plays out like we think it's going to. And so those are kind of the foundations of everything we've talked about in our text. And before I read and before we do our affirmation and read, I just have to print a retraction from last Sunday's sermon. I got home and my wife said that I said to you that Joseph killed a thousand men with a jawbone. That everybody says, yes, you did. All right. You'll notice I say a lot of things that are mistakes. But Samson did that. I was not reading from a different Bible. I said the irony of that is I taught Sunday school in the morning that a biblical theology class that is so important to rightly correct the word of God and know. So I modeled it well. I confess I will try to speak clearly today. I'm going to read from Exodus 15, 1 through 18. And the reason why I mentioned that about singing is because we come to this part in the story of Exodus. The people of God have just crossed the Red Sea. And Moses sings this song, leads the children of Israel in singing this praise to God. And so this is a song of Moses from Exodus 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send, them, you send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deep congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue. I will overtake. I will divide. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard, they tremble, pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan, Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as stone till your people, O Lord, pass by, till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. I want to pray that we would have an attitude of song in our hearts this morning. You'll find out why as we, as we talk and, and continue to worship. But I just pray that your heart would just rejoice over what God has done. Let's pray together. 
Father, we praise you for your word, for its truth. We praise you for singing and song. We praise you for this song that declared your might and power as the people were led through the wilderness, trapped in, and then crossing the Red Sea. Father, that you, by your mighty right hand and your righteous right hand, provided redemption and salvation. And so, Father, I pray that we would just tune our hearts to your praise this morning, that you'd be glorified and exalted, that we too, like Moses, would have that attitude amongst us to sing for the salvation that we experience in Christ. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, I had said over the last two weeks that we were to live for the glory of God as a consecrated people, that we would commemorate, that we would remember what God has done, knowing that last week I'd shared this, that we are compelled by the Spirit and covered by the power of God. And so in this point of Exodus, the people of God, as I said, have crossed the Red Sea and they have been delivered from the bondage of slavery in Egypt and they have been saved. And what is the first thing they do? They sing. And I think it's profound in the scriptures that that is their response to what God has done. Now, even as Michael shared and we all came in here, there is this thing in the North American church that we are a pretty reserved people. At least in the white American church, we're pretty reserved people. And yet Moses, after crossing the Red Sea, seeing this great miracle of God, he leads the people in song like God is to be praised for this. That is the attitude at which you and I should come in to this place on Sunday. When we gather, this isn't about a Sunday where you don't participate. This is a Sunday where God's people sing and listen and pray and hear and, and be taught and all those things about the salvation that God has offered through his son, Jesus Christ. And so it's a, a great lesson for us And many in the church, and we'll talk about this, say like, well, I'm not big into music or singing. It's really the attitude of your heart behind that song. It's really the attitude in your heart when you sing to God. And we know that from times we sing songs and we sing together. I can sing lyrics and they don't mean anything. But if I have an attitude of praise and if I concentrate on what I'm actually saying, that there means something. And so Moses leads the people in this way. And predominantly, you can find this in verse 2 there of our text when he says this kind of like the summary statement of his whole song there, the Lord is my strength and my song. He he has become my salvation. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Do you get this idea that Moses is leading his people in this way of, I don't really care what anybody else thinks. Now think about that in the church setting. We care a lot about what people think all around us in church, right? When we're worshiping, like we care, like, and Tim Hawkins, he jokes about all this with worship hands. And if you know what I'm talking about, you've seen that. But we care about like lifting our hands and being reserved. And like, we care what other people think. And Moses leading the people, and this is a different deal. I think you have to look at this in a way of Moses just saw the miracle of God as many of us have experienced, the salvation of God in Jesus Christ. And he says, I don't really care what people think. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. They just witnessed that. This is my God, and I will praise him. doesn't matter what other people think of that, whatever people say about that. I will praise him. This is the attitude of my heart and life. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Just think about that. When we come into this place, and I know we come in with all kinds of different moods or circumstances for the week, from the week, 
And we come in here, and this is the attitude of the scriptures, rejoicing over God's salvation. Now, Miriam, right after, so Moses' sister, right after this, for you people that are like, okay, well, most of you aren't even going to be here if you think that it's just an acapella thing, but she introduces the instrument, right? In verse 19 through 21, it says, Therefore, when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought them back, the waters of this brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine. Percussion is now introduced in the scripture in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and singing. Or I inserted that and dancing. And Miriam sang to them. She re sang that song or the verse one there. Sing to the Lord for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. I can only imagine the scene as she is leading these women, singing praises to God that this has happened. God has done this. He has saved me. As, he has looked on me as his treasured people, and he has saved me. And the response is song and joy. Singing and dancing. Percussion. The people of God sing. Now, many in the church love to sing. I have always been one of those. Even as a young camper at Christian camp, I remember I couldn't wait till chapel time to sing. Sing old songs, new songs, I don't really care. And you guys have seen that in me as I've been a part of music. I love to sing. I love to sing. I'm probably that guy in the car that you drive by. It's funny, our family drove by one of those guys on the interstate just recently, and he was just letting loose. I would have to think he was a believer or like really just... Whatever style of music, he was letting loose. And all our kids, we watched him. And I was like, all of us have done that. And so just like, you're found out, right? You all crank the radio. You're the best singer in the car when that happens. But many of us like to sing. We believe that that draws some kind of like response as music is beautiful. And some perhaps so much, and here's the spectrum that I'll unpack, so much so that sometimes our love for singing brings us to this end of the spectrum that we make this word synonymous with worship. That's, that's the only way we can worship, which I would say is false. That's one way. But singing is a response in worship. And so there's one attitude over there that I love that. And then there are some people who just don't like to sing. And some of you might be in here today who don't like to participate in singing. You would rather just come and listen to the preaching of the word and you don't need all the, the fluff of music and song. It's not, you don't need that emotionally charged business and and I want to challenge you today, that's the other end of the spectrum. So there's people who love to sing, maybe so much so that like, that's the only form of worship over there. And then there's over here the people that are like, I could just do without church music in general. I'm not a singer. Well, bad day to come, like I said. Two camps. Those who believe music and song in the church maybe supersedes the word over here. And those who believe it undermines the word. And there is a risk on either end of that. One side of emotion can charge too much and, and then the other maybe not enough emotion. We're emotional creatures. But if I really unpacked it at the end of the day and, and, and if this is offensive to you, it might just be offensive to you if you're one of those people. My, I don't intend it to be. But sometimes it's pride that keeps people from singing. Sometimes it's caring too much about what people think. Sometimes it's caring about too much about what you think about yourself. Some of us come into the church, and, I, and I'm, for many reasons, again, I'm not trying to offend. I just don't understand you. 
for a couple of reasons. Because I like music, that's a difference, but I don't understand you because the natural response from what God has done should just be praise. Like that we would be filled. And I get that some of us are more reserved in that, but this attitude of like, well, I don't, I come and I just, I, I like to look at the lyrics. And I've even said that, like, if you don't like to sing, just look at the lyrics. But when you come to the scriptures, I think there is this different kind of attitude. Now, you have to be controlled in that, and we have to have a right view of music. There's one thing about singing and being controlled by the Spirit. I even have a friend who is associated with more charismatic church that he knows, and he was joking with me one day. He's like, those people are so emotional. They cry during the sound check of the songs. And so there's that spectrum, right? So you weigh in that spectrum. There's a balance, though, and I think the singing of the Word, as you'll see from the text in Scripture I'm going to unpack, is biblical, and to sing and let your heart and mouth praise God in this way supports this. It doesn't supersede it or undermine it. It supports the word. God's heart for setting words to melodies is evident even from a casual reading of the Psalms. And if you just open it up, you know that. Psalm 96, 1 through 2. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. I joke about this all the time. You say that but the word Hebrew, sing there, means sing. Sing. There's no mistake. Psalm 47, 6. Sing praises to God. Watch this verse. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. In one verse, four commands to sing. So for all those people who say, well, I'm just not a singer, take it up with God. Four <laughs> commands in one verse. Short verse, all told, the Bible contains over 400 references to singing. And listen to this, 50 direct commands to sing. I don't know if you knew that, 50 direct commands to sing, meaning to sing, not to, I can't unpack that enough, not to be a part of people that sing or watching other people sing, but to sing. So when you're letting loose in the car, praise be to God, you are being obedient and you don't even know it. It says to sing. Now you have to sing about the right things, which Moses has shown us. He sings because of the salvation of God. In the New Testament, we're commanded not once, but twice to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to one another when we meet in Ephesians 5.19. This will be on the screen here. I believe addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now, stop, because time out. You're there. See, Pastor Craig, I do that in my heart when I come in. I don't sing, but I make a melody in my heart. If you do this, and your heart is making a melody, kudos to you. It's hard for me to see. Colossians 3.16, Connie read it earlier. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. And this attitude of this is what flows into you and then out of you, richly teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When the word of Christ, again, not undermining, superseding, when the word of Christ dwells in you richly, out of you would flow praise and song and adoration. This is my God and I will exalt him. Some may wonder, why is there so little mention in the New Testament of singing then? You said only two. It would have just been the cultural like norm for the Jewish people. This is what they did to sing. So like, I don't think the writers of the New Testament needed to readdress this issue, which is so foundational in the Old Testament. 
So if you're saying, well, see, it doesn't reference it as much, I would say two things about that. It does reference it and command it, but it's just a norm for people to praise God in this way. So why sing? Why not just come together and pray and preach? Why, why are God's people throughout history always singing? Why are words and music and, and not just words alone, but set to a melody? Why does God want us to sing? One reason I think that God wants us to sing, Zephaniah 3.17, this will be in, on the screen there. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud what? The Lord himself sings over us. God exalts over his people with loud singing. On the eve of his crucifixion, Jesus sang hymns with his disciples in Matthew 26, 30 there. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus was a part of that. See how I'm just like debunking all of these things? Well, like Jesus didn't do it. Yes, he did. He sang in his heart to God the Father. And Ephesians 5 tells us that one who's filled with the Spirit is addressing one in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. As we saw there in verse 19, we worship a triune God who sings and he wants us to be like him. So back to the Exodus. Here's what happens next, though. You and I can come in and we can sing when times are good. And I know I can speak to my, myself in this, my own personal experience. I've come in here and stood in the front row, and it's been hard to sing at times. Listen to what happens in this, this, this story. It says in verse, picking up in verse 22, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. This is right after they sing and declare God's praises. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to, the, to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? It is difficult, I see and know, to praise God when circumstances are favorable. So they are on this high of seeing God at work and they go into the wilderness and they can't find any water. In fact, the water they find is bitter. And sometimes, friends, you know this, life is bitter. We walk through difficult things. But here's the deal, church. We come together to sing in the bitter too. That doesn't negate the command of God or somehow make God less worthy. If we trust that God is sovereign over all things, we trust that both good and bad are given to us for our good if we trust him. And so while it is difficult to come in here and sing praises, that's what we ought to do. Recently, our family watched this movie, and it starts with this opening scene. This little girl wakes up in her bed, and her mom comes in singing, and it's a Sunday morning, and she wakes up and says, I don't want to go to church today. I don't feel like singing. And her mom challenged her in this, this movie scene. She said, that's especially when we need to sing, especially when we don't feel like it. We need to praise God. For it is in those moments we concentrate more on ourselves than we do on God. Listen to these scriptures about singing in the bitterness of life. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. Look at these. Some of these will be on the screen. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the yields... Fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Job knew this well. Chapter 1, verse 21. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Later in chapter 13, verse 15, we read this. Though he slay me, I will hope in him. 
yet I will argue my ways to his face. There's this relationship that Job did not necessarily like the circumstances that were coming to him, this idea of slaying, but yet he will hope in him. He will sing to him. In Psalm 42, 5, read this. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. My salvation, there is hope that is set before. And then this from Lamentations 3, the context, if you don't know Lamentations 3, and I'm just going to read a few verses before you get to what is one of the most famous verses in Scripture. This author writes, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He made my flesh and my skin waste away. He has broken my bones. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made cower in ashes. But this I call to mind, and these will be on the screen, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. That's the attitude of singing through the bitterness of life. And here is who God is. Back to the Exodus again. He has just redeemed the people of God and shown them the greatest miracle and redemption. And they turn on a dime in the next minute and they complain about their situation. That doesn't say much about who we are as a people, a whiny people. But here's what it says about God as we continue reading in this text. Moses here, in response to this, in verse 25, it says, And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log, and he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes and give ear to his commands and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. Your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. This is the grace of God in our bitter, whiny, complaining seasons of life. It says, you know what? If you will walk with me, and listen to me. I love, I think I already said it once, I love the lyric in Come Thou Found, and tune your heart to sing my praise. If you do what it's right, I will bless you and keep you from my hand of judgment. No disease will come upon you. I am your healer. Now this is a promise made for Israel in this moment in history, specific to the plague. Some of you are thinking, well, what about my diseases? What about my cancer? Well, what about my struggle? Two things I'd say to that. One, I'm guessing you haven't been completely faithful to the level of diligence that God speaks there in that testing. And the second is that Jesus Christ came to meet the mark for us. That's why we sing, because of Christ. He is our healer, and in him we know we are healed and safe for eternity. Like we said last week, whatever the outcome, we live for God's glory. Friends, you and I ought to come in when we see salvation that God has offered us. When Moses saw it, his response was natural in song. And you and I ought to come into this place, whether life is bitter and sweet or sweet, and sing because of who God is, even in difficulty, and especially in difficulty. That's ought to be our response to it. And here's what God does for the people of God when we do that. And you see it in this text. He provides, listen, look at this in verse 27. He provides shade and water. 
fresh water at Elam for the, the whiny, complaining people because of his goodness. They've seen his hand. They sing to him in the bitter and the sweet of life, and he provides by his grace a covering. So here's what I want to do for the rest of our time, and this is unique to maybe what we're used to here. That's one of the reasons I do it, but we just don't do this enough. I'm going to invite the music team up, and I hope this is a sense of Elam to you as you came in here this morning. I don't preach a 40-minute sermon. I thought today, why don't we just sing more at the end? But in, in response to what God has done, and some of you might feel a little uncomfortable about this. I get that. In response to what God has done, we're just going to offer a time of sharing and praise. So if you feel so moved by the Spirit to come, and I would, I'll put some parameters around this, if you will, because order in worship is appropriate. If you feel so moved, just 30 seconds or five seconds, or just come up and we're going to sing a praise chorus and I'll have a microphone and you can just share a praise. This thing will be on the screen. I, I want to praise God for, and maybe you just come up and say, I want to praise God for his faithfulness. I know some of you that might be really uncomfortable to actually participate in worship, but this is not an audience. This is what we gather, and some of us need to praise God, and some of you might just be so reserved, like, I could never go and speak into a microphone. I want you to have the attitude of Moses. You know what? God has been good to me. I want to praise him for this, and some of you might be in a really bitter season of life right now, and just the attitude of coming up and saying, like, I want to praise God just for life and salvation. Maybe that's what God wants from you, desires from you today, for you to get out of your funk and just see him and his goodness. If you want to just share one word, I don't care if that is like one word. I'd, I'd prefer that you don't ramble on so we can all participate in this. That's that orderly worship thing. But again, there's no judgment if you don't come up. It's just this attitude. Do the people of God, do we gather in this way of praise? Do we come into this place and, and gather in a way that says, we want to praise God for his goodness. So we're going to sing a chorus. I want to pray for us as we enter into that, and I will pray for us as we enter out of that and continue our time in singing. Friends, it's what we'll be doing for all eternity. We're going to be singing praises to God, and when the people of God rejoice over what he has done, that is just contagious to a lost world, is it not? People see the beauty of God, and they look at you and say, why are you so joyful? Because we have such a good and loving God. I hope this, even this Sunday, transforms our culture here of just singing and rejoicing as we move forward. I leave you with this. We read it earlier in chapter 15. May it be the attitudes of our heart as we leave this place through our week and return. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Go and do that well. Live a life of great praise to the glory of God. Have a blessed day. Go in peace. You are